0: Good morning my NLH family. How are you this morning? Good pastor. Good. Thank you. Yes, it's a great morning. Good, it's a morning. Great, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's a great morning. It's a wonderful morning. It's an awesome morning. It's a morning like never before. The morning you have never experienced before. You have never experienced June 4th, 2023. So it is a new morning. It's a different morning. It's a remarkable morning. It may be a strange morning, but it's a morning you have never experienced before. And I want to say good morning. This morning, the topic of my message is the command the covenant commandment and the spirit and the text that we'll be looking at this morning are jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34 and hebrews 10 15 to 18 this message is a three-part series it's a part one of a three-part series and so this week we will look at the covenant and then we will, next week you'll not hear my voice, but the other week you'll hear me again. So, there was a moment in my Christian walk when I could not trust God. Maybe you have experienced those moments. Because we don't pay attention to the times when we are, where we, we are not yet Christians. We don't think about those moments when we are unable to trust God. But there was that moment in my Christian, Christian walk where I can actually say in 2009, I said to God, I cannot trust you. To me, God was represented some, rep, his representation for me was something, someone I could not trust. And so I said to him, I cannot trust you. I felt that if whatever promises he would have made to me, he would not, have, he would not keep them. But over the years, I have learned that God keeps his promise. Every time God makes a promise, he does not break it because he guarantees his word. Notice, he guarantees his word. You and I can't, we we will say, if I say that, I will do it. But when God says that, it is a guarantee that it must come through. Each time he makes a covenant, he intends to keep it because he commits himself to his word. Notice the word, he intends to keep it because at times covenants are based on two persons. You doing your part, God doing his part. And so he may make make a promise or comes into covenant with you and he says, I will do this. But there is a place where you need to participate and then you cannot see the covenant or the promise fulfilled and then you wonder god has changed his mind no god never changes his mind hebrew 6 tells us that he guarantees his word he never changes his mind when god makes a covenant with an individual he is the one who stipulates the significance of the covenant so in essence he dictates the agreements. He gives a sign that guarantees His promise. We can remember if we remember with Noah. He says, "Whenever you see a rainbow, you and your descendants, which even mean to us, whenever you see a rainbow, it means that I will never allow water to destroy Earth again." Have I- water destroyed Earth since? No matter the tsunamis we have heard about happening in other parts of the world, has the entire world been destroyed by flood again? No, because God does not change his mind. He does not break his promise. He stipulates the power of his command and he stipulates the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the covenant. So I'm here to tell you this morning that God does not break his promise, he guarantees it with his word. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that this morning I can speak with confidence of the God who does not break his promise. Lord, 20 20 years ago, 14 years ago, I would have said this morning, I am not sure if God will change his mind. But today, June 4th, 2023, a day I have never experienced, a day I have never lived in before, I can say that my quintessential God, my God who knows everything and is in control of everything, does not change his mind. He does not make a promise that he will not that and and then breaks it. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that your children, we, your children, will hear the heart of the Father as you speak through me this morning. Convey your word to your children so that they will know that wherever you find yourself today, know for sure that God will never make a promise that he is unable to keep. And he will never make a covenant that you intend to break. And so, Father, Let your word, Father, go this morning and accomplish what you had intended it to accomplish. Let your people, your children, hear your words. Let them hear your heart this morning, that whatever situation they find themselves in this morning, they will know for sure that God guarantees his word. So we give you thanks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The question that I want to ask you this morning is if restoring humanity to its divine calling is so important to God, why has he chosen you? It's a question I you to reflect on and because of that, I'm going to repeat. If restoring humanity to its divine calling is so important to God why has he chosen you i hope by the end of this, this 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 talk you'll be able to understand or identify why god would have chosen you to be a part of his restoring of humanity to its divine calling today we as i said to you we begin a new series And it is my hope that at the end of the series, you and I will better understand God's redemptive plan to restore humanity to his divine calling. And why he has chosen you and me to partner with him to accomplish this plan. Turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. When you're there, let me know. And I just want to remind you that today is our communion Sunday, so we're going to be taking communion at the end of this talk. Are you there? Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. The day is coming, says the Lord. When you say the day is coming, it speaks of the future. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people, and they will not. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God offers a glimmer of hope to the people of Israel that despite the 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 destruction and the turmoil they were going through God was saying to them a day is coming in the future a day is coming when I will reveal a new covenant with you in essence God was saying to them in the future I will reveal a covenant that will stipulate my unbreakable promise in the future i will stipulate a commandment as the path of righteousness in the future i will stipulate how the holy spirit will empower my people to be trans- to transformation in the future There will, there there with the limitations of the old covenant will no longer be there because my people will be so internally transformed that they will begin to look more like me. Those are what God is saying when he's saying through Jeremiah, that there is a day that is coming. And I will say to you this morning, there is a day that is coming. Yes, the new covenant has already been established. But there is a day coming where you and I, our eyes will be open to the reality that God does not break his promise. Because he's a promise keeper in God who guarantees his word. You and I will get to that day where our doubts will be removed. Where our anxiety will be gone. Where depression will no longer be a part of our day-to-day life. Our lives, because our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and our hearts will be open to seeing that God does not change his mind. He does not break a promise. This week, I want us to focus on my first point. God, the new covenant stipulates God's unbreakable promise. And we will do this by defining what, is, what it means to be in covenant, or defining covenant. We'll also understand, look at the different types of covenants, and the covenant relationships. What it means to be in covenant. We will also look at what it means to, to what it, the difference between the old and the new covenant. And we will look at how Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is death and resurrection is the basis of the promise. So I repeat, we're gonna look at how the new covenant stipulates God's unbreakable promise. We're gonna define what it means to be in covenant or what does covenant means. We're gonna understand the types of covenants and the types of covenant relationships. We're gonna look at what it means To be in covenant, we're going to look at the difference of the old and the new covenant, and look at how Jesus, through His death and resurrection, fulfilled the promise. So, my first point, as I said, I'll be looking at one point this this, today because it will be a three-part series, and I'll be looking at one point each week. The new covenant stipulates God's unbreakable promise. Thomas Schreiner in his book, Covenant and God's Purpose for the World, defines covenant as a chosen relationship in which two parties enter into a formal relationship, making binding agreements to each other and ratifying the covenant with oaths. So covenant requires two persons. No one, I can't covenant with myself i need somebody else to covenant the term to make a covenant or to cut a covenant is an ancient practice where animals were slaughtered and cut up to ratify an agreement or to seal the promise made so it it is not the, the word covenant is, not, is nothing new it's an ancient practice where persons would go and Covenant with each other, and in doing so, they would they would slaughter an animal because blood was most times necessary for covenants. O. Palmer Robertson, in his book *The Christ of the Covenant*, defines covenant as a bond in blood or a bond of life and death, and it is sovereignly administered. Sovereignly meaning it is administered by God. It therefore means that once a covenant relationship is entered into, nothing less than the shedding of blood may relieve the obligations incurred in the event of covenantal violation. So, if if, if the covenant is violated, the only thing can relieve the obligation is that something, someone has to die. We see that. When Adam and Eve sinned, the only way the penalty of sin could have been satisfied, the only way death could have been satisfied, Jesus had to die. Someone had to die. And in the Old Testament, we will see how the the blood of bulls and goats, the, the animals were slaughtered over and over and over again because sin was present. There was violation. Hebrew 9, 22 tells us there is no forgiveness of sin unless blood is shed. No forgiveness of sin unless blood is shed. Covenants define obligations and commitment, but they are different from contracts. Many times we enter into contracts, And we say we are in covenant. No, covenant is relational and it is a personal binding agreement and it is ratified by an oath. Contract is impersonal and non-relational. And we see that when we go to the banks or we go and we take a loan. It is very impersonal. They don't care about you. All they want to know is that you pay your bill or your debt on time. And so any of us who may, 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 may be a tenant or we may have a mortgage with the bank, or you may be, be one who take furniture out and you on higher purchase, they do not care about your inability to pay. They do not care if you're working or you're not working. They need you to make the payment the day that it is due because you're in a contract. But when you are in a covenant, it's a personal binding agreement. And that is why God, in the midst of man sinning, God will say, I will send. And Jesus will say, I will go. Because he cares. Notice the difference. He cares. God cares. And so Jesus says, I will go and die because man cannot pay his debt. The debt is too, the debt of sin is too big. He cannot pay it. So I will go. And so he, Jesus came and he paid that debt. Why you and That's the reason why you and I can sit here today because he took it personal. He was in relationship with us. And he said, I want to be in relationship with them. I want to redeem them. I want to redeem humanity. And so I will go. Because I am not about them just meeting a payment. I am not about them traveling with goats and bulls every month. And if you are like me, you'd have to travel with it every day. And he's saying, no, I am not interested with them carrying goats and bulls daily. I want to pay this sacrifice once and for all and to settle their debt. And that is what Jesus did. Covenants, covenant is one of the central themes in, Bible, in the Bible or the biblical revelation. And if you and I do not understand the covenants God made with his people, then you and I will never be able to grasp all the scriptures fit together. We'll read it disjointed. And so we'll get a little revelation there and we may get a little revelation there, but we are unable to connect the dots. Covenant allow you to connect the dots that from the beginning of Adam and Eve sinning, you will see over time oh God has been instituting covenants after covenants because he's going after. He's trying to, to redeem, he's working out his redemptive plan for, for, for man's divine calling to redeem man back to himself. And so you may see Noah, and you may wonder, okay, God just wiped out. The, the, the people in Noah's time because he was wicked, he was evil. no. God was always trying to rid the earth of sin so that he, and always working with a remnant of people to restore, to restore intimacy, to restore right relationship, to restore, to restore man to himself. If you and I do not understand God's covenant plan or understand God's covenant, you really can't apply scripture wisely to your lives. You'll read a part and you'll take it and you'll run with it. Not understanding the overarching thing that God is doing. It's bigger than one part. It is bigger than going to Corinthians. It's bigger than going to Psalms. It is bigger than going to Ephesians. It it, it is a thread weaving itself through like a tapestry. Every part is important because it's hinged on what God is doing or want to accomplish. When you and I do not understand covenant, we cannot understand the scriptures. And that is why we take it out of context. We get a little piece of a a sentence and we grab it and we run with it and we say God spoke to us. When we do not understand covenant, we can't deepen our personal commitment to God and to each other. Because unless you understand that the God who makes covenant with with man and the reason he makes covenant with man is so important, you cannot understand why he would have called you to live holy lives. I cannot understand why he would call me to love you, my sister and my brother. Throughout history, God has been initiating covenants after covenant with his people. Actually, the scripture talks about five foundational covenants. The covenant that he made with Noah, they call it the Noahic covenant. The covenant that he made with Abraham, which they call the Abrahamic covenant. The covenant that he made with Moses, they call it the Mosaic covenant. And the covenant that he made with David, they call it the Davidic covenant. And then there is a covenant that he made with Jesus that they call the new covenant or the better covenant. So throughout history, we see God is initiating covenant after covenant because God has a plan of redemption. It's not because he didn't have anything to do. It's not because he he, he, he didn't know that these men would fail. But God knew that he would not fail. God knew that when man fail and when man violate the, com- the covenant, he knew that he would not fail. And so each generation, each time, each period in history, we see God selecting a man. Not because the man was more holy than any other. Not because he was more righteous. But God is always looking for a man to work with. And so that lends itself to the question I asked you earlier. If restoring humanity to his divine calling is so important to God, why has God chosen you? Why would God choose you? God is always looking for a man to stand with him. God is always looking for a man or a woman to participate in the plan of redemption. God is always looking for someone to say, here I am, send me. He's always looking for someone through which he can share his secrets, to which he can call to partner with him, to pray and to love as he loved. In Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34, God announces and is promised. That one day in the future, he will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. God is always looking for a man. Will you be that man? Will you be that woman? Will you be that person that God can say, I can use you to restore humanity? I can use you to continue the work that Jesus started. I can use you to further what Jesus has done to restore humanity to himself. I told you earlier that in our looking at this topic, we'll be looking at at defining covenant, and we'll be looking at the major types of covenants. So the major types of covenant. there are two major types of covenants, conditional covenant and unconditional covenant. An un- a conditional covenant is otherwise called a bilateral covenant. It's, it's where two persons bind themselves, two parties bind themselves together to do their part to fulfill the agreement. You will see that happening in a marriage where a, a husband and a wife says, until death will we part. They will say, I will love you. I will serve you uh, in sickness and in uh, health. Love you. I will love you no matter what you do. And so two people come together and they say, this is what we will do. They stand before each other and they make that agreement. However, When one of the persons fail to meet the agreement or violate the the covenant, the covenant is broken. And that is why we have divorce. Someone violated the covenant. Someone went ahead and did the opposite of what they agreed to do. And so a conditional covenant is, is, is said, when you violate the covenant, the covenant automatically is broken. But that then there is the unconditional covenant, otherwise called the unilateral covenant. This now is an agreement between two persons, but it, the agreement is so designed that only one person need to do their part, for the covenant to be, in, to, be, to, be, to, be in, to be effective. And we see this with Abraham in Genesis 15, when, when A- God told Abraham to cut the animals and set them, set, them, set them together on either side. And the scripture told us that Abraham fell asleep and God walked between them alone. If you go back and you look at your ta- at on your at your convenience, if you look at what it means in in those days, it meant that God and Abraham should have been walking together in agreement between those between between those animals cut in half to say we are committing ourselves together, we are binding ourselves together with blood. I am going to do my part, and you are going to do your part. There is a surety of the promise made. But God says, no. When Abraham fell asleep, God says, I am going to keep this covenant whether Abraham did it or not. Whether Abraham violates it or not. Whether Abraham's descendants violate it or not. I am going to keep this promise. In essence, God was saying the covenant is not dependent on Abraham, nor is descendants' obedience. If Abraham already sinned and sin, God is saying, it is my blood that will be shed. So if they sin, I am going to shed my blood. Can you imagine that? God is saying, I am so committing myself to you that when you sin, it is my blood that will shed. You and I know how to be revengeful. We know how to demand an eye for an eye. We know how to say, no, you did it, you must pay. But God says, no, when you do it, I pay. When you sin, I bleed. When you don't make, when you don't keep your promise, I have to hold up to the end of the bargain to give you what I desire. So when I promise you something and you go ahead and sin the next day, I still have to hold, my, my, I still have to hold myself to my promise because I have guaranteed my word. Can you imagine a God? Can you imagine what our God is doing and has been doing for us? That in the midst of us violating the the covenant over and over and over, when we become prideful, when when we become angry, when we become jealous, when we become envious, when we harbor malice and unforgiveness in our hearts, God says, when you violate the covenant... I have to hold my end of the bargain because I guarantee my word and my character guarantees my word and I cannot go back on my promise. That's the nature of the God you and I serve. Hallelujah. However, we looked at there are two types or two basic types of covenants, but we're also going to realizing that there are two major types of covenant relationship. God with man, and man with man. God stipulates the covenant in the relationship where he is in covenant with man. He says, I stipulate. I set up the the, 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 the limitations and the boundary. I dictate what this covenant will look like. And so what he does is some really institutes a life and death bond. With life and death consequences. And he binds himself by oath for life and death. God says, When I'm in covenant with you, I will die. I will die to ensure that the covenant is, the, the stipulation of the covenant is met. God said, When I'm in covenant with you, if, it is, if I have to die, I will die. We see that in God and Noah, we see God and Abraham, we see God and Moses and God and David. All of those men were sinful men. We see Noah drinking too much and giving in to to drunkenness. We see Abraham lying about Sarah and not trusting God and taking Agar. We see Moses striking the rock when God said to him, speak to the rock. We see David sleeping with Bathsheba, not only sleeping with Bathsheba, but went ahead and and, and had her husband killed. We see God working with imperfect man, But at the point, God said, I am sending Jesus. The only perfect sacrifice, the only perfect one I can make a covenant with to die because my people are going to sin and and are going to need this guarantee. Then we see, as I said to you, another type of the covenant is man with man. It's where man makes a covenant with another person. We see that with David and Jonathan. But Jonathan said, you know, David, I love you like a brother. I love you. David said, I love you more than myself. And we are going to make a covenant together that no matter what happens, no matter what Saul is doing, Jonathan said, I will tell you, David, what my father is saying. We see it with Jacob and Laban when Jacob said to Laban, I am gonna work seven extra years for my wife and all the cattle, I will not take them. I will only take the spotted ones. I will leave the ones without blemish. That's man making covenant with man. Invariably, covenants that man make with each other get broken. Many times they get broken, but God is saying to us this morning, I will not break my covenant with you. You hear what the Father is saying to you this morning? You hear the Father's heart this morning? I don't know why he wants you to hear that this morning, but he's saying to you, my daughters, he's saying, my daughters and my son, I will not break my covenant with you. So we realize that there are two covenants the old covenant the scripture tells us about that we read in in jeremiah in jeremiah 31 31 to 34 and the new covenant the old covenant says a day is coming a time is coming when the new covenant i will make a new covenant and if you are reading and understanding, you'll realize that if we're going to make a new covenant, it means that there was a, there's an old one, right? We can deduce that from observation. The old covenant was made with Israel and Judah's ancestors. He said it. He said it when I made a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. He said, the covenant will not be like the one I made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. In essence, God is saying, I made a covenant when I was taking them out of Egypt. That's the Mosaic covenant, the, mo- the covenant that he made with the people of Israel, with Moses being the mediator. It was based on external observation, observance of the law. And it was limited by the obedience of frail humanity. The law was written on tablets. And they were to obey the commandments written on tablets. And we saw where it got broken before. When Moses got upset, he broke it. And God God wrote another one. The, it, it's the purpose that the, the covenant, the, the, the law then was to reveal sin. Without sin, without the law, there no man would have known that he was sinning. Because sin then became the lens, the law sorry became the lens through which men understood that they were sinners. So the purpose of the law was to reveal sin to establish a temporary atonement for sin through animal sacrifices and to maintain relationship between god and israel the commandments as i said to you before were written on stone tablets that could be broken love god and love your neighbor as self we saw the difficulty of that because we recognize that sometimes we don't love ourselves And God is saying to you, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love yourself, what are you doing to your neighbor? You can't love your neighbor, right? The new covenant, on the other hand, stipulates God's unbreakable promise to his people. Instead of writing his law on tablets of stone, God would now write his law in the minds and on the hearts of his people. He was going to do this from the least to the greatest people from all ethnicity and cultural background. And they all would know that he is God. So by the nature of him writing in and writing on, everyone will know that he is God from the least to the greatest. So no man will will be without an excuse. Can you believe that? So when we hear people say they don't believe in God, You know, they are going against the natural grain, the natural way of how it was designed. Because God said, I'm writing. No longer will it be left up to you deciding. No longer will it be left up to you wondering. No longer. Saint Augustine was asked a question of a skeptic. He says, where was God or what was God doing before creation? Saint Augustine responded. He said he was busy creating hell for the the skeptics. God knew that he was writing on the heart and in the mind of his people. So no man, that's why Romans 1 can tell us, no man is without an excuse. God said, I've given the knowledge that you need to know that I exist. I have done all that I need to do for you to know that I have existed. That's what the new covenant did. Every man, boy, and girl, every woman knows that there is God because he has written it in our minds and on our hearts. So that is why we start worshiping our cars. We start worshiping our clothes. We start to worship our beauty. We spend more time on our beauty. We start to compare ourselves with how beautiful we are as opposed to somebody else because we are turning ourselves into God because we were designed. We were designed to know that there is a God. In writing his law in their minds and on their hearts, God would imprint his truth so deeply that his people would experience internal transformation. If not working on the outside, you know, it's not behavior modification. God is not after behavior modification. God is not after how long your skirt is or how long your sleeve is or how natural your hair is. He's after internal transformation. And that is why it's that I'm writing in their hearts and I'm writing on, in their minds and I'm writing on their hearts because I'm imprinting my truth so deeply that my people will know. Amen, amen, amen. hmm no longer will they need to depend on prophets and teachers and pastors to teach them but they will be taught by me, God is saying. And that is why you and I can go to the word and we can pray and the Holy Spirit will reveal to, things to us. Because God said, I have written in your minds. I have written on your hearts so that you will now depend on me and not on man. They would live in alignment with God's will and his truth will effectively govern their lives. This truth that will be written will affect their behavior patterns. It will reprogram their actions and habits and feelings so that they will be conformed to the image of God. God was after a holistic change god was after a change that not only will you look like a christian but you will speak like a christian you will act like a christian you will think like a christian because he's after making you and i into his image god would forgive their sins and remember them no more as far as the east is from the west can the east and the west collide no can they meet no And God is saying, when in this new covenant, I am so going to forgive their sin that I'm not even going to forget it. I'm not going to remember it, rather. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that God said, I am going to forgive your sins. Or I have forgiven your sins to the place that I don't even remember it. And many times the truth be told, we are the ones who who keep reminding God, God. God, I know I'm a sinner. And God is saying, I remember your sins no more. God, you remember when and you keep remembering because you can't forgive yourself. He said, I remember your sins no more. Mind The new covenant stipulate that I cannot remember your sins because I've already forgiven you. The new covenant says, I cannot remember your sins because I have already forgiven you. Isaiah 42 verse 6 tells us that the servant Is the covenant for God's people and the light to the Gentiles. In essence, it is saying to us that in the new covenant, God is sending a servant who is the covenant. And as the covenant, he would be the one who mediates. He would be the mediator, the meeting point between God and man. Do you know who that is? Who is it that came and stood in the gap between God and man? According to Hebrews 8, to 7, Jesus is the mediator of the better covenant. That's the covenant that Jeremiah spoke about, that a future, in the future, a time will come where God will establish a new covenant. Hebrews is telling us that the new covenant is already established because the mediator came and he established a better covenant with better promises. It therefore demonstrates that the new covenant is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. I don't know about you this morning, but I am so glad that for the new covenant that came with the better promises, because I know that I can go to my God freely. I know that his scepter is extended to me because he has forgiven my sins and he remembers them no more. Yeah. That qualifies me to go, not because of how good I am, not because I was born a Christian, not because I was I grew up in Christian homes, not because my parents were Christians, but God is saying to you and he's saying to me, because I have forgiven your sins, you can come, you come, you can come. And because of that, God says, I won't break my promises to you. How can I break my promises when I can't remember what you did? How will I break my promises when I have already forgiven you? I shed my blood so that you can have the better promises. The new covenant stipulates God God's unbreakable promise to redeem and to reconcile humanity to himself through Jesus Christ. The promises of God are unbreakable because it is dependent on God's love, God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's holiness, God's righteousness, rather than human's obedience. You can't be obedient enough for God to keep his promise. You can't be good enough for God to keep his word. God keeps his promise because he's a God who loves. Because he's a faithful God. Because he's a gracious God. Because he's a holy God. And the nature of his holiness says, I cannot go back on what I say. Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the the old covenant by shedding his blood. To cleanse us from sin and to reconcile us to the Father. You remember what I said earlier? That God says, if you, when you sin, when you sin, I shed my blood. That's what God is saying. When you sin, I am the one who is going to shed my blood. When you mess up and violate, I am the one who is going to shed my blood. Can you believe that? God is saying to you this morning, I have opened the door. God is saying to you this morning, and He's saying to me this morning, before you stands a door. He said, There's a double door opening to you before you this morning. And the double door represents the promises that He has made to you, the better promises. Is that for some? this double door represents new beginning and new opportunities for others it may be a door of hope love and for something better however for all of us it's a double door that no one can shut because god's promises are unbreakable and so no matter where you are this morning no matter what you're going through this morning no matter what you're facing this morning, no matter the doubts that are creeping in, because the truth be told, when you can't pay the bills, the doubts come. When you have to step out on water, the doubts come. God is saying to you, look at that double door. Look at that double door. See the light? And he's saying to you, come, walk through that double door. Come through that double door. I have given you a door. I have opened that door before you. I have opened a door before you. It's a door of opportunities. If you are are tied, if you are tethered to your problems, he said, go through that door. If you are tethered to, to anxiety, he said, go through that door. He said, if you are tethered to uncertainties because you don't know where to go, he said, go through that door. This is the door of new beginnings and new opportunities. If you're if you crippled by sin, he says, go through that door. I've al- I don't remember your sins, I've already forgiven them. And this morning as we come to communion, I want us to understand that communion is a way for believers to participate in the, benef- in the benefits of the new covenant. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of gratitude for the sacrifices of of Jesus. On the night of Jesus' last supper, Jesus took the cup and he declared his death as the inauguration of the new covenant. So when Jeremiah said, a time in the future, a day will come, a day is coming. Jesus is saying, the the day has already come. The day is here. There is an inauguration of this new covenant. And God is saying to you and and he's saying to me this morning. That is why I'm inviting you to come. Go through the door and come. Come this morning. Come this morning. Come and eat of my body and drink of my blood come come this morning and celebrate with me come this morning and celebrate the fact that i will never break my promises to you what promises has god made to you Remind, remind remind yourself of them they may be so far along that you may even forget them or you may say oh he's not gonna do them and i'm just gonna forget it and continue to live i'm gonna move on to plan b It may seem so far-reaching that you think, oh, oh, impossible it is. You may be looking at the reality or the the evidence in your your eyes and the evidence in your life that this cannot happen. I heard Karen said something this morning that did not a part of my message, but it just struck me. She said, none of us will ever be in a position that we cannot give no matter how small it is, and she and she looks she brought her attention to the widow's might. And the truth be told if that widow really looked at her circumstances, not even the might she wouldn't have given, because she had nothing. But God used that story to show us that you will never be in a place that you can't give if you trust me. If I trust God with the little that I have, I can guarantee you that He will provide more because he doesn't change his mind and he doesn't break his promises. He promises to be a provider. He promises to be a sustainer. He promises to be a comforter. He promises to be an advocate. He promises to be an intercessor. He promises to be a healer. What promises has he made to you that he can't fulfill? He promises to meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. But he asks you to do what? Trust in him. Trust him. And so this morning, I want you to get your emblems. And as you take up the emblems, and I want you to see the emblems differently as of today. Every time you come to communion, remember, this is an unbreakable promise. The emblems represent the fact that the new covenant has been inaugurated and God is saying to you and he's saying to me, I will never break the promise I made to you. Put fill your name in. I will never break the promise I made to you. Dot, dot, dot. I will never make, break the promise I made to you. And every time you eat of the body of God, of his son, Jesus, and every time you drink of the, 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 the juice or the wine or the water, whatever it, it is that you have, Every time you drink of it. Remember. You are partnering with God. To believe. That he will never change his mind. And so this morning. I want you to bow your heads with me. And let us go before the Lord. For some of us we may need to repent. Of the fact that we don't trust him. We need to repent of the fact that. We think he forgot us because the promise thrown like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, last year, and it has yet to be fulfilled. And we're saying, God, you, you have either changed your mind or the truth is, sometimes we say, God, we didn't hear you correctly. Maybe we, maybe we never heard him. And he's saying, you heard me. You heard me clearly. You heard me clearly. I spoke, you heard what I said, and I have not changed my mind. I guarantee my promises with my word. So you heard me. And so this morning, if you need to, this, that is your case where you need to repent this morning because you fail to trust God to do what he promised. I ask us to just go before the Lord. But if you're if, if, if where you need to be, this, if where you are this morning that you need to say, Lord, thank you. That June 4th represents something. It's a new day. It's a new opportunity. It's a new hope. It's a new door. I come this morning and I'm in gratitude and I'm saying thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Thank you for what you have done for me this morning. Thank you for the covenant that you have made. That you are a God that does not change your mind. You don't break your promises. So let us go before the Lord this morning. And whatever you need to be saying to him, thank him for forgetting for forgiving and for forgetting your sins and remembering them. And it's not because he had amnesia. It's not because he had dementia or Alzheimer. The stipulation of the covenant says he must forget your sins once he has forgiven. Imagine. Imagine God writing that in his covenant because he is the one who stipulates it and he writes it in a way that I must forget. What a God. Because you and I said we will forgive, but we won't forget, right? No, I won't forget because I won't allow them to do the same thing they did to me before. So I'm going to forgive them, but I'm going to keep them at arm's length. Isn't that what we do? But God is saying, no. I forgive them and I pull them so closely that even I'm wrapping them in my arms. They are remembering, but I don't have a clue what they are remembering. Because I've forgiven. I've removed it so far from me. So let us just go before the Lord this morning and as we go, we let us just pray and ask him to cleanse us where we need to be cleansed, forgive us where we need to be forgiven, wash us where we need to be washed and give us that ability to experience his joy and to know that he is the God who promises and fulfills. And so, Father, we come before you and we, we present these emblems that represent the body of Jesus that was broken and the blood of Jesus that was shed. And we ask, you, Father, this morning that as we partake of these emblems, Father, that you will consecrate them, God, that as we eat of them, Lord, that there will that be that internal transformation that is occurring or that is continuing in our life. Father, as we eat of the body of Christ, these emblems that represent the body of Christ, God, we eat in remembrance of you. As we drink, Father God, we drink knowing that this is the inauguration of the new covenant. So we walk knowing that we are in covenant with you. Lord, eating of the body and and drinking of the blood of Jesus is stupid. It does nothing if I am not in covenant with you. So, for those who listen today, may they be at that place where they come and they come before you and ask you to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them of all unrighteousness. May they come in covenant with you, Father, so that they can partake of the unbreakable promises of our God. So, my sisters and brothers, may we take off the bread. This morning, the cracker, the biscuit, whatever it is that you're using to represent the body of Christ, may we break and eat. In the same way, he took the cup and he poured it out for you. He said, This is my blood that was poured out for you. Let us drink this morning in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we bless you this morning. Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize, Father, that you had a plan from before we were born to restore humanity. And you have called us, you have chosen us, and you have asked us to participate. So if restoring humanity to his divine calling is so important to God, Lord, that is why you chose us. You want us to partner. You want us to, you you want us to participate. You want us to understand how much, how much you love us. And because we recognize how much we are loved by you, we will then go. We We won't keep it as a secret, but we will go and tell others. We will go and tell others of the good news. But God, many times we have kept it quiet because we don't even understand. We don't even understand why it is so important. We don't even understand why we. you would have asked us to go. Tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, Father, I give you thanks this morning. I hope, Father God, that your message was conveyed in a way that your people heard you and not me. That they heard that clarion call of the Father saying, I have chosen you. I have called you to participate in restoring the divine calling of humanity. I have called you, I've chosen you to participate so that my people, my people who are called by my name will know that I will not break the promise I have made to them. I have forgiven them of their sins and I will remember it no more. I have written on my law on, in their minds and on their hearts so that they will be internally transformed to the image and to be image bearers of Christ. So, Father, let your word, let your word take root in our hearts, God. Let your word take root in the soil of our hearts and begin to grow. Lord, I am tired of the outward modification. I am tired of looking like a Christian. God, I need to now start to think like one. I need to start to act like one. I need to start to speak like one, God. Let your word transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And over to you, Sister Carrie. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you.